From Vine Pairs New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. It's the Friday Vine Pair podcast. Friday indeed. You know, I feel need- like we need like an air horn. Or meow, meow, meow. We also need like something else to talk about besides uh, what we drank, but something, you know, in a transition until we get into this into the subject. Can't always be TV. Prestige TV. We'll take suggestions. Podcast at vinepair.com. Yeah. Yeah. Any fashion <laughs> labels you're into right now? What? <laughs> no. No, I like I like Sid Mashburn now too. I'm all into that too. That look. You know. I mean, come on. I'm swimming. Living my life. Thanks. Thank you, Keith. Thank you. I have Keith. literally no idea what you're talking about, but that's cool. <laughs> you know, it's Keith's okay. just noticing I look really good now. Oh. Swimmer's body. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so. no one can see my eyes rolling right now. It's okay. I can hear I them. Can. Okay. You can hear them. You can hear them. I can. Yeah. I saw a journal. I was like, "Why am I here? Yeah. Help me." I feel like we could talk about not 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 uh, long form, but like something we read recently that we liked. You know, li- literary the shit up a little bit. Okay, for next for next time. Yeah. <laughs> for next time, uh, I'm gonna pass. I, instead, have you guys eaten or drinking drank anywhere that you were really into? Any memorable meals recently? Well, I, I mean, in Atlanta, we had a lot of really wonderful stuff. I think a, a highlight for me there was Talat Market. Really? Yeah. This Thai place was amazing. Their food was so, so good. I ate a majority of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good. Like, I was really impressed with that. So, um, good on you guys. That good on you, really... Talat Market. Yeah. Zach, have you been anywhere recently? <laughs> Oh, that's cute. Um, my sister made pizza for us the other day. That was nice. Oh, that's nice. My sister and my brother-in-law went over to their that's house. That's great. And, uh, yeah, my stuff Saul got to put toppings on, which he enjoyed. Oh, uh, big fan. Did of, he put of, on uh, salmon sashimi? No. <laughs> if he if he if it had been an option, it would have never made it on the pizza in the first place. It would have all made it inside of him. Um, huh. No, he, but he did he did put on. He's gotten very into pesto lately, which is cool. So they had oh, nice. uh, we had one pesto pizza. Yeah, he he like we tried it on noodles relatively recently. And he was like, you know, in the way that only a child can. He was like, Dad, and I was like, Yeah. And he's like, I like pesto now, and I was like, Cool, <laughs> I like pesto also. We can have it more often. That's good, uh, but like very serious. So yeah, how about you, Adam? <laughs> Oh, so for me, I mean, I talked about Inga's on Monday. So that's probably the best like meal dining experience I've had. What kind of food is it? So it's the former chef from, I think, Diner and Marlowe and Sons. Oh, okay. So they're doing, and it's he and his wife that own this old bar in Brooklyn Heights. And now they're doing really interesting salads. Uh, the burger's good. I had a pork chop, like that kind of thing. Okay. But just really solid food um, and just high quality ingredients. Everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. It's just a very, very delicious meal. Nice. Yeah. Can you explain what an interesting salad is? So he does like this celery salad. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That's really good. Um, you know, just like not just a, a little gem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not just a little gem. You know, I'm over the little oh, gems. Little, little gems, yeah. Little that gems? Is, yeah. Talk about, talk about chuggy. Little gem salads. <laughs> little gem salads no, are chuggy. Kale is chuggy. Kale salads are real chuggy. Yeah, uh, right. I think both, maybe. Yeah, kale salads. <laughs> at least kale salads, but at least chewy. kale salads are legitimately better for you than lettuce. Little gem, yeah, we're over you. Yeah. Sure. Kale is good for you, but and I've been making a lot of smoothies at home. Anyways, let's talk about this uh this week's topic this friday topic which is so we talked a lot about how 
the low end side of alcohol, and by low end, I mean low alcohol, is booming. But there's another end of alcohol that's also booming that no one seems to be talking about, which is super high alcohol. Mm -hmm. And especially we are seeing this in the bourbon space and -hmm. the beer space where high ABV is king and continues to be. And I've started to see a lot of people sort of coming up with their predictions that they think that high ABV beer is going to be the future of craft beer, that that is what we're going to see more and more and more is this sort of turn away from lower alcohol beers to these higher alcohol beers with the doubles and triples especially being the things that people start to grab. And one of the hypotheses is that that's because people are looking for a larger bang for their buck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. They are looking like basically there's two different people, right? They're the people that want to have the session drinking experience, which is what we've always said is why people are drinking low alcohol, right? That's the data proves this. It's not just that someone wants to have one drink and then be done is that they want to have three or four over the course and maintain buzz. And what we're seeing on the high alcohols, they want to have two or three and be done. Right. Mm-hmm. But so they want to like, they want to hit it and quit it. Right. It's like, get in, get out, like get, get where you need to go. And you're starting to see a lot of these beers sort of becoming the market leaders. And the, the most famous of these right now is Voodoo Ranger mm-hmm. made by New Belgium. And the one that we're going to drink is their Imperial, which is considered to be the number one IPA of 2021. Uh, it's still on fire, continues to grow like crazy, and it's just like a behemoth. Why, like, why do you think, though, this is clearly happening, right? It's everywhere. Why do you think we're not talking about it as much as everyone's talking about low? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a, I think this is such a – it's uh... – such a sneaky thing that's happening, yeah. right? Like um, <laughs> this thing. idea that like it's actually kind of extinguishing that middle range yeah. of like four to six percent ABV beers because people are opting for higher ones or like you said, lower. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's so curious because I haven't ever really thought of it before, which, you know, obviously is why we're talking about it now. But do you do you guys feel like you do this? Like you follow this strategy personally? No. But- <laughs> okay. I mean, I feel like I drink what I think is delicious, whether it's low, middle, or high, but I know a lot of people that do. I mean, I'll never forget going out to dinner with uh, a person in the industry who basically said to me the reason they love resin was because – and resin is a six-point beer that is high alcohol – is that – their partner didn't know it was high alcohol, so they could have two or three and be like, oh, I only had two or three beers tonight. I was like, that is such a weird reason to like this beer. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, I think there is a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think that alcohol is a very essential deliverer of flavor, Mm -hmm. right? I think a lot of higher alcohol drinks do taste better. And one of the other trends that's being reported recently that they think we're going to see moving into the next few years is much more focused on drinks with flavor, you know, extreme flavor and alcohol does deliver that better. I mean, one of the biggest complaints you hear about these low alcohol drinks, especially the low alcohol beers is that they're watery. Mm -hmm. They're sort of thin. They taste of the essence, but not the the slapping in the face, especially when it comes to IPAs. Right. So I think that these all could be why, but what I'm really curious about 
And so I'm just going to call it out and see is like, are we not talking about this because this is everyone not wanting to admit that people like to drink alcohol, like actually like to drink alcohol because this yep. trend is growing as fast or faster than the low movement. The low, yep. Th- these beers, if, if you, t- you put Voodoo Ranger up against the highest selling lower alcohol beer and it crushes it, unless you're going to tell me it's Modelo, right? Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But especially in the craft world, it will crush it. Yep. So why yep. is, is it just that we're scared to talk about alcohol? So I think it's two things. I think that's maybe a piece of it. But I also think that these kinds of beers in particular, but but other things, similar categories, maybe higher alcohol wines, things like that, really sit in a blind spot for the drinks media and it's and, and drinks professionals in a lot of ways. Because, you know, you asked about, well, why do we, you know, do we do this sort of drinking, Joanna? And I was like, we don't, but we're not a good representative sample of the beer drinking or just drinking public in America because it's our job. And people who do it for your living, you know, beers like this, high alcohol wines, they are fatiguing if you drink the, a lot of them. If you're doing right. a, a tasting or even you're just drinking them, you know, in a in a more kind of quote unquote professional setting. And it's why, you know, so often you see, you know, drinks media, sommeliers, beer pros, things like that, championing styles that are less familiar, maybe lower or moderate alcohol, because they're the kind of things that if you're someone who is drinking kind of for a living, which is a weird thing to say, but it's also kind of true, you're, you need those kinds of things to exist and be interesting because they help sustain you. But it's true that for most people, drinking is not their job. Drinking is something that they do some of the time, but not all of the time. And they want flavor. They want impact. And I don't think it's necessarily that high ABV beers are better tasting exactly, but I think you got at it later on, Adam. They have more flavor. I don't think those two things are exactly the same thing. But for a lot of people, if you're the kind of person who, hey, you're going to a local brewery or you're picking up a six pack at the grocery store or whatever, you want something that's going to, you're going to feel like you're getting your money's worth. And yeah. it's not just about alcohol. It's about intensity of flavor. This is why full-bodied red blends have always succeeded really well in the wine space. Because when you drink it, you're like, oh, yeah, I know I'm drinking a thing. I know I'm getting what I paid for. And, uh, you know, a session IPA is just not going to be able to deliver that because sort of basic sort of laws of physics or whatever, you just can't get the same flavor intensity in a low alcohol beer that you can in a in a high alcohol beer. And for a lot of people, when that beer is the one or two they're having in a night, that's what they want. And I think that that is a really hard thing sometimes for us to see because it doesn't correlate to how we drink and it doesn't correlate to how we think about the drinks industry a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. I think another part of this is that we're potentially or perhaps finally over like our light beer phase. Yeah. And like you said earlier, we're into flavor and we're into this lushness, but we're also over like we need beers to be a hundred calories. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that paves the way for these types of higher alcohol beers, obviously because they're more caloric. Um, but people are okay with this now, especially if it's the idea isn't to drink in abundance. Yeah. It's like, I want to have, two of them and then be good and feel the way I want to feel or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then that's it. Right. I think that's also the, the blind spot that we always talk about. We have as drinks media is, or just media in general is we never want to talk about the fact that it's a drug. Yeah. And I do think that in the world of cannabis, there's been a, like a, a way in which everyone's comfortable by talking about getting high. It's not just about like, no, man, I, I smoke it for like the flavor. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I really, I really taste like 
that Skywalker Kush, you know, I just, I like how it tastes like, no, it's <laughs> like, you like the high, you like the actual effect. And yep. the reality is that people are drinking for the effect. And if they think drinking two, eight and a half to 9% double IPAs, yeah, they got the flavor as well, but it gave them the effect they were looking for, which is something that makes them a little bit more social or a little bit chiller or whatever. That's why they're drinking it. And so I think that is what people are turning back to, yeah. right? And it's the same reason, again, we've talked about this before. People, there's another group that went to low, that have gone to low alcohol because they also like the effect, but they want to be able to go all day, you know, hang yeah. out with their friends yeah. and party. There's a whole group of people that don't want to do that, right? They're like, <laughs> they're, you know, they're an age where like they want to have two <laughs> drinks at the end of the night and that's it. And they want them to be double IPAs, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what they're looking for. But they want to say, again, mentally, I think there's something about saying, I only had two drinks. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that's what's always been so interesting to me because two drinks of, of a higher alcohol content are very different. You know, like I had one beer at the end of the night. Yeah, but if it was a triple yeah. and you had 12% alcohol, you basically had the equivalent of two glasses of wine. You know, so that's something that I think is uh, just what's always going to be in our culture. And the fact that these are on fire is being proven by you seeing huge displays for them show up in Costco and Total Wine. I mean, yep. These are the beers that are moving. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there is a lot of doom and gloom in the craft beer world right now because people are worried about how you go national and is, it is relevant as it used to be. But there clearly are beers that are resonating with the majority of the national drinking landscape, and those beers are higher alcohol. Yeah. I also wonder if there's a piece of this that has been – reinforced by some just realities of the pandemic and it is that these kinds of beers double ipas higher alcohol beers etc are i think better on shelf uh on shelves longer um because both the hops yeah. themselves um and alcohol are preservatives, preservatives yeah. and i think that there's a way that if you're trying to put out you know whether it's your sort of you know lower alcohol you know, your, your loggers and pilsners, things like that. Like they're just not going to hold up as well in the kind of rough and tumble world of retail and of, you know, grocery store shelves and stuff like that. And getting a, a skunked beer or something is no fun. Yeah. And not that IPAs can't skunk, but I think it's harder. Like they're just sturdier beers. I mean, there's a reason the category was invented. It was so that the British could ship beer to India. So, you know, these beers are just more shelf stable than a lot of others. And in this environment now where, you know, so much more of beer has been diverted into cans, into bottles. You know, draft is not as big a deal right now. Um, unclear if it will come back. But, you know, that is, I think, a big piece of this, too, that these are the beers that are best suited to the way that people in 2022 are drinking beer, which is, yes, in tap rooms to some extent and beer bars, but a lot of them at home or out of can and bottle. And again, you're just like, you're not going to convince me that uh, a light lager is going to hold up as well as these beers in you know, in a can or bottle. Yeah. So should we try this? Yeah. It yeah. smells really good. So this is the Voodoo Ranger now has a bunch of different sort of versions. The four that are really on fire is like the Voodoo Ranger, the Voodoo Hazy, Voodoo Imperial, and the Imperial Hazy. This is the this is the number one. This is the Imperial. And so again, it's New Belgium. Um it is nine. Nine percent alcohol. Um we're drinking it out of a glass bottle, but you can also get it in a can. Yes. I mean, tastes good to me. It's pretty good. I mean, it's it's definitely it's actually for the like for a double IPA. You know that the hop character is not over the top. No. Um, 
it's actually pretty mild. It's actually got a little bit of sweetness to it, which yes, I'm sure it also does. helps it with its sales. Yeah. Um, I would be curious to know what kind of malt they're using. But, it's a little uh, malty. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for people, like this is a good IPA for people who aren't IPA people, you know, and that may be why it's so successful. I think, yeah, people just seem to really love it. Like, but I think IPA people like it too. Yes, yes. It just no, has, it's one for everyone. It's this more classic IPA too. In the same, well, another another one that's on uh, fire right now is Double Two Hearted, which is the Bell's, Bell's mm-hmm. Two Hearted Ale, but they're double IPA. Both these breweries too recently have sold, right? They're now mm-hmm. owned by much larger companies. But I think that's like, this is the future. And yeah. I wonder if we will see this now. It's interesting. Now when I even go to like the supermarket and I look at the New York regional craft beers, especially when you look at the IPAs, almost all of them are doubles. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't see any of them anymore that are just like six and a half percent IPAs. They're all, even the, like the IPA I talked about on the last podcast, Butterfly Door, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a double. Yeah. And I, th- I think that might be just what people are doing Where we're now. going, yeah. Where we're going. I should also mention that there's a great article about this in the Washington Post by Kate Burneau. Uh, people want to check it out. She speaks to this too, this whole yeah, idea we'll of going link towards. that in the show description. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, if you have a double IPA or higher that you like, let us know. Podcast <laughs> at Vinepair.com. Maybe we'll check it out on the show. No one sent us shots yet. So <laughs> You're going to remind people? Yeah, because Zach on. said he would do them. So <laughs> uh, I'd like him to do them. And uh, and yeah, I'll see you both next week. Yeah. No, I won't, see, I won't see you next week. I'm on vacation. You don't know me. You don't know me. I'll see you next week. You too. Enjoy your conversation. Great. Have a great weekend. (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So the Vine Pair podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vine Pair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire Vine Pair staff and everyone who's been involved in making Vine Pair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.